We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And we're talking about a Nets win over the Heat, 112-97. How are we doing? More importantly, Cam Thomas has an afro. Yeah, big news. We got to see Dariq Whitehead, you know, play his first NBA minute, score a bucket. Yes! Well, score a point. Um, you know, Noah Clowney out there, always good when you get a blowout and take care of business. You know, the Heat were missing you know, three of their top players tonight. Nets pretty much led the entire way. We're going to jump to that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do we go first? Look, Nick, I just think that this stuck out in the fact that the Nets have a back-to-back and it was nice to get, you know, this sort of comfortable win. So heading against Chicago tomorrow, which you'll be recapping and I'll be watching closely as well. It's just nice to finally get one of these wins, especially after three straight losses, you know, there was a lot of doom and gloom. I think as Nets fans, we tend to look more negatively than objectively in terms of the status and, and state of the team. But, you know, a lot of positive points from tonight. It wasn't the best game in the world. was it the worst game in the world. But at the end of the day, they took care of business. They took care of business well. And it was good to see, you know, a few guys get some form back. A few guys hit some threes. Spencer Dimity throwing the dimes out there. So, yeah, this was just a, a nice, comfortable game. One with you know lower stakes, so it was just it was good to get the W at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, bounce off the losing streak, and it was nice to see Cam Johnson, you know, continue his positive play moving forward. You know, obviously he had the cramps at the end of the last game, and overtime wasn't able to play, but he looked confident. I also thought we saw Cam Johnson this game play a little bit more with the ball in his hands, run a little bit more pick and roll, and just be overall involved in the offense. And I think that's a big thing moving forward. Also nice to see him grab ten boards. Yeah, 8 of 13 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. He hit one of his two free throws, as you alluded to, 10 boards, had a double-double with his 19 points, 5 assists, as you alluded to, the ball in his hand a little bit more, 2 steals. You know, he was cooking early on, and then he just showed consistency throughout the night. The three ball, you know, there was a couple that he probably should have hit and a couple that were towards the sort of the end of the shot clock. But I, I guess I want to ask you, Nick, a, a sort of revision. And plus of 29, just to throw that out there. Yeah, the, the net starters were like ridiculous in terms of their plus minus outside Nick Claxton, who we'll get to. And despite being, you know, only plus three, I thought was sensational. But I want to ask you a, just a general question about Cam Johnson, Nick. Do you think that Nets fans that were pessimistic about his form to start the year were too early to sort of be harsh towards him and, and his level of play? Because 
I know personally I was, you know, leaning towards there at times, but I'm like, this guy's coming off, a, you know, an extended period of basketball at FIBA. You know, he has a muscle injury that he's working his way back from. But we've seen, you know, in the past couple of games, his, him work his way back into form. You know, the Nets are now, you know, 13, 14 games into the year. Do you think that people should have tempered their expectations to start the season for Cam Johnson? Because this is probably what you want out of a, a guy you know, earning $22, $25 million a year and, and 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 producing, you know, pretty consistently now. Yeah, I think, obviously, like you said, coming off the injury, you always have to kind of give the guys some time to get back in shape and get back into the flow of the game. And I think it's definitely more difficult when you, you know, we're kind of on and off. You know, he missed the training camp too, played the first game, then missed a couple games. So it was like he was really out of rhythm. So I thought, you know, to even go positive over negative, you needed to have a larger sample size. And I think we're starting to see him kind of get into a nice flow. You know, you look back to the Lando game, scored 20 against the previous Miami matchup, 16, only nine against the Sixers, but 23 against the Hawks and 19 tonight. You know, that's kind of started starting to get to the production you're looking for for that contract. And efficiency has been pretty solid. And I think, his three ball has been a little inconsistent, but overall it'll probably, you know, find its groove as we move forward throughout the season. Yeah, the, the couple that he did miss, you know, the, the three ball is something I'm incredibly comfortable with. We've seen like some behind the scenes sort of footage uh, of him and, you know, he uh, had like three point shootouts with, with some of his teammates at the practice facility and those guys just sort of like go off. Cam Johnson is an elite three point shooter that will find its form and, and in, in a similar way with sort of Mikael Bridges, who's been pretty cold to start the year, but was much better tonight. So, yeah, I think it, it's good to see Cam J find his level of form because. You know, it just it, it lessens the burden of responsibility on so many other guys because the Nets are a team that don't have you know the the one A sort of superstar. You know, people will argue about Cam Tan, will argue maybe uh, to a lesser extent Mikael Bridges, but they're a team of high level role players with you know a few fringy sort of twenty top twenty five, top thirty guys. And when that is the case, you need the guys like Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neill, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney Smith, you know, the guys coming off the bench like Trenton Watford and Lonnie Walker, those guys all contributing because it's a team of collective. You know, the collective needs to contribute. And when one one guy, one piece is sort of out of whack, it means that another guy needs to step up and it makes it easy for other teams to sort of defend. I just thought there was a lot of good team play and Cam Johnson was a part of that. The ball movement looked, you know, pretty solid. Let me just take a look at the Nets assist numbers. You know, 27, 27. assists tonight on 39 major... Sorry, 27, uh, my apologies, on 39 major field goals. That's just really positive. And I think, you know, Cam Johnston and the five assists uh, himself was was a product of that too. So it was good to see quality team play with Cam Johnston really contributing too. Yeah, and important to remember, I think it's what his eighth game of the season. So still larger sample size to come. And like you said, good team basketball, a couple possessions where they were just moving the rock around, you know, from side to side, just passing up good shots for great shots. And overall, like you said, offensively, you know, this is a team that has a lot of good players that can do multiple things. And when Cam Thomas comes back, that's another guy that can you know dribble the ball, pass the ball, score the ball at multiple levels. And I think the way we look at defense is always like, who's the weak link? And offensively, you can kind of look at it the same way. You know, who's the weak link? Who has a weakness that we can kind of exploit? And when you play guys that are well-rounded and are comfortable doing multiple things, it's a lot more difficult to defend them. Yeah, it's it's just simple as that. But it was really good to see the the team level of play, and I thought Spencer Dinwiddie was a big part of that. And you know, yeah, people were probably getting a little bit, you know, about Mikael Bridges. I think he started what oh five or something like that to start the game, and then in the second he scores like eleven and finished the game eight of nineteen from the field, three of six from three. My favorite stat line of his tonight: five of five from the free throw line, six rebounds, three assists, two steals, a block, filling up that box score for his twenty four points. 
this might have been Mikhail's second or third best game of the year. You know, the, the the Milwaukee Bucks game is the one that really sort of steps out. Uh, sorry, third probably th- third best game because the Atlanta Hawks game here was pretty brilliant too. So I'd say this is be up there with the top three of performance for him. How did you feel other than that sort of slow start, Nick? Yeah, I think he. it's important that he's able to bounce back. You know, after a bad start to the game, that he's able to kind of find his flow and find his rhythm. thought he was really good, you know, attacking the rim, using his extra long strides to kind of get that advantage to finger roll it in or get it off the glass, whatever it is. So I think he's starting to pick it up a little bit. Obviously, a huge game, like you said, against the Hawks tonight was, I thought, a pretty good game. You know, we still want to see him kind of make this be maybe his standard low game. You know, maybe this isn't his, his best performance tonight, but he could still probably take it up another level and just kind of just hit on all cylinders. It was nice to see the three ball go down tonight as well, but I think there's still more from Mikhail that he's not fully up to the level we saw post-All-Star break, like, other than, you know, last night against the Hawks or two for two nights ago. Yeah, I think what I like from Mikael Bridges, Nick, outside that sort of first quarter, as we were sort of talking about, you know, you put in, you know, a couple extra bar- buckets there, you know, it goes two or five rather than all five. Then it's a 28 to 30 point performance and you're feeling a, a, a lot better about his offensive production. But I thought he did a little bit more defensively. He's playmaking. You know, he had a really nice dime to Dorian Finney-Smith in, in the pick and roll. You know, him sort of creating out of that was, and it was like a no-look dime as well that was like right on point to DFS for that three. That was a sublime play like that was sort of plays you see from like Luka Doncic and, and and those sort of guys so that was really positive to see because obviously Miami Heat didn't have like you know you know Jimmy Butler out there hounding him or Bam at a bio but it was allowing him to to gain a bit of rhythm and confidence as you allude to his purpose and, and finishing around the rim is something I'm always looking at and it looked really good there tonight you know his extra stride length the extra little finish here or there the extra dribble you know he's looking really positive there off, off of closeouts and, and secondary sort of playmaking so yeah it wasn't you know his best game of the year you know I, I still think it was a really really positive game for Mikhail and I think a, a nice little stepping stone heading into the Bulls game. Yeah, I think it's in the right direction too. You know, you just want to kind of continue to see him trend upward. And like you mentioned, you know, making you know, some of those like big star level plays, like you mentioned, the pass of DFS, he had that great drive against the Hawks in that other game. So it's just like those little things that's sticking up where it's like, okay, he's getting back to playing at a high level. You're seeing the confidence there and he's looking more comfortable and less frustrated. I think early on in the season, you you saw frustration on his face because things weren't going his way, you know, missing a lot of shots he typically hits and probably not getting calls, losing the ball ball and just overall just not in rhythm and not in vibe and now that seems to be you know in the opposite direction yeah and he was speaking to taylor rooks on on that podcast sort of speaking about and the level of accountability that he was showing for himself is like no i'm not at the form i want to be at and you know offensively and defensively he's like i'm just not there yet and the fact that he was able to say that and sort of reinforce to himself hey i need to be better that's a leader right there mikhail bridges is is like one a our leader our vibes you know, the, the focal point of our of our team right now, especially in the absence of Cam Thomas. So for him to show that accountability, you know, some other ex minutes that we won't be discussing tonight could probably use a, a a dose of Mikhail Bridges' personality. But in saying that, we've got Mikhail Bridges on this team right now um, and he's going to continue to to work his way into some positive form. Um, and he tonight was a, a really nice sort of uh, starting point. Yeah, I agree. You know, and we'll see how it kind of plays out. And, 
No, I think it's also nice to see McKellen and Cam Johnson build up some of their confidence. So then when Cam Thomas is back now, offensively, there's just kind of, you know, three different guys that can give you something along Spencer Dinwiddie as well. And then Lonnie Walker off the bench. So now offensively, you're continuing to feel really good about this squad. Who's probably like we've talked about on that previous, you know, stats episode where maybe they're shooting a little bit over their head. But if that comes down, these other guys can hopefully pick up some of the slack in other areas. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, things will level out. And for Mikhail, that three-point shot tonight, this it was getting better. I, I think I've said this a, a billion, million, trillion times. Said it on my X page. I'm only going to call <laughs> it that once. But when he is driving the basketball and that handle is tight enough and he's drawing contact, he's doing some little Chris Pauly sort of things where he's able to get to the free throw line. That's where the game is just going to look so much better for him because – you know, it's just easy points, and it means that the team has to guard him in in a in a different way. Again, you know, this was against a, a Miami Heat B team, but you take what you have and what the defense sort of gives you, and what he did tonight, I think, was you know a, a lot of really good things. You know, outside the first sort of ten minutes of the game, you know, this was if you if you discount those sort of ten minutes and you you look at the the last thirty six, you know, this is an A Mikael Bridges performance, but because of you know the, the slower starts. In terms of people saying, "Oh, he hasn't scored yet. He hasn't scored yet," and then he scores eleven in the in, in the in the second, and then ten in the third, and then a, another couple in the final period before the Nets sort of you know blow it out. You know, it just shows you, Mikael Bridges. I, I think it shows his mentality, as you sort of spoke to, to uh, be able to work his way through those troubles within a game. That's the hardest thing for any player to do. So for Mikael to do that, I'm all about it. Yeah. And I think also it's the spacing too. You know, there's more spacing on the floor, not playing with Ben Simmons and other big at times or whatever the flow is out there. And he's kind of finding his spots and understanding where there's going to be space. And also you're seeing probably more space with Cam Johnson being back and kind of playing back to his level. But you know, getting over to Spencer Dinwiddie, I thought Spencer wasn't amazing in this game, but solid. And you're continuing to see him kind of trend up in the playmaking department back to back 10 plus assist games. Yeah, and to go with the 14 points, four free throws, two of seven from three. I think you know there was one shot that he took where there was like uh, 12, 13, or 14 seconds left on the shot clock, and he takes like a, a 30 foot three. I'm like, what? what? Why Why are you doing that? But no, in, in saying that, there was, outside of that, I thought his decision making you know, was really positive. You know, the he had like some, like this weird sort of alley oop sort of off the glass thing to join Finney Smith. That was nice. You know, he's showing continued chemistry, positive chemistry. When Nick Claxton, thank God he's okay. And, you know, he, he was more than okay. So I, I think that Spencer, this is the sort of, we spoke about baseline performances for Mikhail. That's the sort of baseline performance you want from Mikhail. This is the sort of baseline performance that you want from Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, double digit points. Hopefully, three ball gets a little bit better, relatively efficient from the field, gets the free throw line, keep that keep the defense honest, you know, collapse them, you know, as much as you can, as often as you can, and then really just facilitate for others. And, you know, I think his facilitation just opens the game up for the likes of Royce and, and DFS and, and Cam because it allows them to sort of produce off secondary actions, catch and shoot, you know, actions. So yeah, this is, and he led the team in minutes, you know, that's saying something that the, the burden for Spencer Dean, he is going to be a little bit higher when, you know, Ben Simmons is out and Cam Thomas is out. It's probably the greatest burden for him because he's the team, the team's lone facilitator and playmaker for, you know, both himself and others. So this is a good game from Spencer, you know, nothing to really write home about in terms of a massive, amazing plays, a couple of little boneheaded plays here or there, but you know, overall, you know, plus 17, 14 points and the rest, you know, a couple of seals in there too. Only the three turnovers, you know, from his 11 assists, you know, this is the, the Spencer that I like to see.
Yeah, I think you you nailed it when you said this is a baseline. You know, if he's not scoring a ton, that's fine. As long as you're, you know, producing assist-wise and, you know, getting the offense going, you know, getting the engine rolling. And that's what he does with some of his drives, breaking down defenders, initiating the pick and roll. And that's where you know, the Nets offense can kind of see some success. But also, you know, you mentioned it was not – you know, anything crazy, not bad. It's kind of almost the overall feel of this Nets game. You know, it wasn't a great performance. It wasn't a bad performance. It was kind of just like a filler game, take care of business, get the win. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I think the thing overall that I liked, Nick, and this could probably go into our sort of defensive discussion and, and Jacques Vaughn's comments is the Nets were forcing turnovers. They were getting steals. They were you know, getting into those lanes. Again, it's easier against the likes of Hamay Haquez and Josh Richardson and Kyle Larry compared to Tyler Hero and, and, and other guys. But this is where you want to see you know, what the Nets can be as a defensive unit when they're allowed to be a little bit more aggressive and force the issue. You know, they had 11 steals tonight. They forced 18 turnovers. Like, that's what the Nets should be doing. You know, the Nets, it, and, and look, maybe, do you want to sh- discuss Jacques Vaughn's comments? Do you want to discuss what you thought of the t- defense tonight? Where do we go with this? Because I think this is a, a discussion about a team that should be elite defensively, and we saw elite stretches tonight because we have elite players on that end of the floor, but... It seems to me Jacques Vaughn thinks that the Nets are a different team as a cohesive unit. Yeah, I think uh, the, you know, we've heard multiple comments from Vaughn. I think I like Clax's comments a little bit better where he talked about how, you know, there's great individual defenders, but the guys aren't necessarily trusting each other. There's not enough cohesion. I think it's also easier to be more aggressive when you're playing lesser players, you know, that's just a fact of information. Sure. You know, you've, you mentioned, you know, Jimmy, no Bam, no Tyler Hero, no Duncan Robinson. Now you're not only missing, you know, initiators, you're also missing, you know, floor spacers and gravity pullers. So I think that allows, and that's, you know, it's like, oh, am I going to let, you know, Kyle Lowry put 
put up seven threes. He went two of seven. Like, I don't feel bad. Josh Richardson, 0 of five. So I think that also plays a huge factor in the way you play defense. And I don't think the scheme is any different tonight than what it's been previously. It's probably also like the level of the comfort of the players, you know, being aggressive and taking those risks against better or lesser players. You know, that's always going to kind of play a factor, but also getting back to Clax's comments, it's like, you have to feel comfortable occasionally taking risks that someone's going to make the rotation. And if they don't, that's how you guys learn and become better. So I think overall, they just need to be willing to probably make more mistakes in certain situations, but make those mistakes being aggressive and playing at 100 miles per hour rather than kind of just playing conservative. Yeah. When you've got Nick Claxton there on your back line, just like Mikhail Royce, DFS, whoever it is out there guarding the perimeter, you know, get a bit aggressive, get in the face of the, the perimeter offensive player. And, you know, when the Nets were, you know, doubling sort of Kevin Love down low because he was an offensive hub at times and sort of getting steals and deflections away from him, they need to do that against the likes of Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic and stuff because you have the fulcrum of a top 10 defense in Nick Claxton by himself. It's as simple as that. And yes, Jacques Vaughn said that, you know, we're good at, you know, in a field goal percentage, protecting the rim, all that sort of stuff. We'll give up, you know, layups and and, and we'll give up threes. But we don't want to give up dunks and layups. And it's just like, no, like just let your guys be a bit more instinctive. You know, let you, and, and I think that I was going to ask you this, but I'll answer my own question too. Do you think that the Nets can use this as a sort of foundational sort of game moving forward defensively to go, okay, cool. We show we can do these little things against Leicester competition. Now the challenge is against the Bulls, who you know have plenty of criticism going around their way. So you know, Demar Rosen, Zach Levine, all these sort of guys, they're they're a better team than what we saw against Miami tonight. But then you know when they go on that West Coast stretch, I want I, I don't care if the Nets are like fourth in defensive rebound percentage. Yeah, that's an amazing number, and it's by nature conservative because they've been playing drop all that sort of thing. I think the give up some rebounds here or there to force a few more steals, to force a few more you know, turnovers here and there, because that's what's going to make them a more elite defense. It's not going to be protecting the boards night after night after night. They don't have to be an elite defensive rebounding team, an elite rebounding team. I'd rather them gamble a few times, give up a few things here or there, but make up for it on the other end because they've got Nick Claxton there. They've got the Mikel Bridges. They've got Dorian Finney-Smith there. Like Those are three guys that are all defensive caliber players. Said it a million times. We've said it a million times. I want them to be more aggressive. And despite what Jacques Vaughn says, like, I don't want to do some Mike Budenhoser conservative sort of shit. Like, we shouldn't be that sort of team. Like, that's not catering to your players. It's sort of Steve Nash level of shit. Like, it's just not utilize The job of a coach is to utilize the players in their best capacity. And being conservative as a defense, and I'm not saying that it's completely conservative, but drop by nature and easy switches by nature are conservative defensive schemes. But allowing them to be a bit more aggressive and force the issue allows us to be more elite in many areas and get those fast break points that Jacques Vaughn loves so much. So maybe I'm reading into it too much. Maybe I'm being a bit too irrational and harsh on, on Jacques Vaughn and the Nets in terms of the, the schematic talk, but I just think that they can be so much better. And I think that they, a few little fine tuning things here or there and the Nets can be elite. Yeah, I think it's also kind of not knowing how much is on the coaching and how much is on the players because we've heard from Vaughn talking about forcing more turnovers, you know, going back to that Wando Magic game. You know, they forced a ton of turnovers. He was happy about it. And tonight they forced a ton of turnovers and, you know, they're successful. So it's like, I think it's kind of finding the balance in the scheme and also the players, you know, playing at a certain level as well and making those plays and willing to be aggressive. So I think it's hard to know the exact level of, 
know who's to blame or how much of it is real and how much of it is fake, you know, given the defensive numbers and how it's going to play out. And obviously the Nets have played some really good offensive teams has also played some bad, you know, offensive teams to start the year. So it's like, I think as we talked about in that previous stats episode two, it was also like two different alliterations of this Nets team because it was the team that was running with Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons. And then also the team that's running with Nick Claxton, some Cam Thomas, and then, you know, just Claxton, no Ben and no Cam T. So I think it's just also like sample size wise, it's hard to make determinations about scheme style and all this stuff until we see probably a larger sample size with a consistent group out there. And also just, you know, how they all fit and you know what we hear from them after games after coaches because now we're kind of hearing mixed messages from Vaughn on what he's looking for and what he's happy about and also you know I think coaches are going to try to sell a better message sometimes publicly you know in terms of like he might try to make it sound better because he doesn't want his guys to get discouraged by their defensive play. Look at you, Nick. You always find a way to bring me off the sort of hyperbolic <laughs> irrationality that I sort of dive into and provide a, a semblance of level-headedness to it all. Now, I still feel the way I do, but I feel a bit more objective and, and rational given what you sort of said in terms of where the Nets are defensively. And maybe in your 10 games time, we do another statistical deep dive and things are on the up and up. I'll be sure to keep that Google Doc handy in terms of the comparison points. But yeah, I'm... I, 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 I mean, guess I just think about I, just one thing, like even something we've talked about is Mikel Bridges saying he's not playing to the defensive level he would like, you know, if yep. he's playing at a defensive player level, you know, the Nets defense is forcing more turnovers because he's that type of smothering on ball defender. So I think it's also guys individually kind of improving a little bit. And also, I still think communication at times, there's a play in this game, someone posted online where the Nets just don't they don't make, rotate, you know, two guys stick to one and somebody's just wide open on the wing. It's just like, those are the small things that if you want to be an elite defense and you want to be aggressive and force turnovers, there has to be really good communication. I think that's an area this Nets team is, you know, lacking a little bit. That's fair. That's fair. But like, yeah, Cam Johnson, two steals, Mikhail Bridges, two steals, Nick Claxton, two steals, Spencer Dimity, two steals, Royce O'Neal, two steals. Those are essentially all the guys you want to be having those high level numbers. And, you know, Dorian Finney Smith can definitely have high level numbers too when it comes to that department. So, not saying that those guys are going to average two steals a game. Like, Nick Claxton, five stocks in 24 minutes. Dear Lord. Can we talk about Nick Claxton, Nick? Like, yeah. dear God, Nick Clax City, man. Like, it's, it's, it's Clax country. I mean, can we change it to Clax country now? Because the, the way that this dude plays basketball, and I was, Heart of my mouth sort of stuff. I'm sure you were as well when we saw him somewhat injure his ankle and, and head back to the locker room. But then he comes back and he just immediately impacts the game. And then in the third quarter, he has the first six next points, Nets points on his own. Like in 24 minutes, five or seven from the field, three or four from the free throw line, six rebounds, two steals, three blocks, 13 points. Like Nick freaking Claxton, Nick, come on. Yeah, I think you just see the impact. Like you said, there was definitely a scare. Now, I was even concerned it was kind of a foot injury. You know, when you land on someone's foot like yeah. that, you kind of worry. And the way he was just lying on the floor, it's like you're worried that he was thinking, you know, big time injury. But he comes back, like you said, brings that pop defensively, had a huge impact in this game. Also just brings a level of an excitement to the team. And as we've talked about, he's just a vertical spacer. You know, when he runs pick and roll and rolls to the rim, the impact is substantially different than when Dayron Sharp does it. And that's not necessarily just a shot at Sharp, but it's more so just a, a praise of Clax and his athletic ability and the respect that he's getting from defenses because of the gravity he has on his rolls and slips.
his fake DHOs are some of yeah. the he things I love. Thomas Bryan. <laughs> like, he was God. He didn't know what he was doing, Thomas Bryan. And it's nice to see because Thomas Bryan has cooked us in the past, you know, for anyone who's listened to the buzz on consistent periods when he was in Washington, especially. But yeah, I thought Nick he was Cl- going to drop like 15 and 10 or something this game. Like, like you said, Thomas Bryan usually always plays well against the Nets. This was easily his worst performance against the Nets tonight. Two points, one of five, one rebound. Stinky, stinky. And stinky stuff because Nick Claxton was bloody incredible tonight yeah. like if we got 30 minutes in Nick Claxton this would have been a, a 20 point 25 point blowout I think like it, it's it's in the 24 minutes that he played out there I think Nick Claxton was probably the best player on the court you know defensively like there were just times where he was waiting for guys you know in, in Miami to drive the basketball he's like I'm gonna eat you up like I'm yeah. gonna swallow you spit you out and then eat you again and then shit you out like he was just an absolute force of nature like I, I'm sorry I get in my feelings I get a, a bit emotional when it comes to the likes of Nick Claxton Clax City Clax Country whatever we're calling it because he's just such an incredible player like he just makes makes plays on both ends of the floor in a in a way that is just like really forceful really just in your face and it just lifts the team it lifts my spirits and then some you know he's just he's he's a momentum creator you know it's just a place that he typically makes create a level of momentum for the team because you're turning a block into a fast break trend you know bucket and now all of a sudden that's a four point swing five point swing whatever it is and also you're just offensively, he's just providing a level of excitement, especially when it's a home game, you know, finishing oops, finishing dunks and just creating those plays and unlocking. I think it's also when you watch him score offensively, it's just like, wow, that's such an added bonus because of how great he is on the defensive end. Yeah, literally. And like, he is a very good offensive player. So Clack City has become Clack's country, Nick. But uh, any other sort of thoughts uh, around the game before I wanted to get your thoughts on, on the net sort of play in tournament sort of thing, because there's some chat. I just want to give, I guess, that. Dorian Finney Smith, a shout out. He was really good in this game. Just kind of under yeah. the radar, 16.79 from the field, two of four from three, five rebounds, three assists, one block, always doing the dirty work, you know, never see him complain. He's just one of those guys you love to have on your team. You know, he's just like a guy that comes in every day and puts in work and occasionally gives you these really efficient scoring performances. He's legit one of the best catch and shoot three point shooters in the league right now. Yeah. Like when the ball is crazy to hear after watching him play the end of last season with the finger injury. Exactly. And I think that that sort of shows that like when this guy is healthy, like he is just an absolute weapon. And when the Nets play well, like Dorian Finney Smith is going to have a high level of responsibility defensively and he's going to be shooting those catch and shoot threes. And he's developed more diversity and dynamism to his game as well in terms of driving the, the basketball as well. So his level of consistency this season has been outstanding. He deserves a lot of love, DFS, you know, for sure. So uh, any other, Royce O'Neal was pretty good today, Nick. You know, obviously he, he's doing his pump fake sort of thing and and hitting a couple of three balls here or there, some secondary sort of playmaking. Dayron Sharp, look, we can speak... For the 10, two minutes that Derek Whitehead play, we could do a, a special Patreon episode for him. But man, it, it was great to see him, you know, get that block and then get to the free throw line. And the team getting off the bench for him, hitting his first points as a net, they were almost as excited as I was. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty awesome to see those guys out there. And obviously, Derek Whitehead's had a, a journey to this point and dealing with injuries from where he was supposed to be going into college. And you know, obviously, 
still not fully healthy last year. And it's nice to see him on the court in November. You know, we were talking about hopefully seeing him in 2024. Well, he was already out there. Um, And any other notes on the bench? A little worried about Lonnie Walker. Doesn't seem to have quite the same pop. I think that knee is definitely something to keep an eye on for him. It'd be nice for him to probably get a night off when Cam Thomas is back. Uh, Trenton Watford giving you some extra elements out there. And Dayron. You know, his hot and cold performances kind of continue. And I will say one thing about Royce, like, was a solid game, but definitely worried a little bit about his foot speed. Don't know if he's dealing with an injury or, you know, he's just kind of getting caught up with father time. I think he's just slow by nature. But Yeah, I I just think he looks a touch slower than he has in the past. That's fair. That's fair. And then, Nick, tell me if I'm right. Tell me if I'm wrong in terms of the the playing scenarios. So the Nets are currently third seconds in the the standings you know magic have clinched it it's basically a battle between the celtics and the nets now the nets take on the raptors if the no, the so nets it's, win- it's uh it's the nets can still win the division against the magic if the celtics lose because the nets will have the tiebreaker head-to-head against the magic right and if they win by 14 plus against the the rap the, the the celtics then they could even go to the top and if boston win by a large amount they could take over you know, the magic as well so there's it's hard to sort of convey because i i'm still a little bit confused by what are you, what's your understanding of and again the the game to watch is that one against the raptors coming up and the nets having a big win is going to be the the thing that matters overall and hoping for a, a boston loss too so yeah am I, think, I right am i wrong what are your understanding i think the easiest way to explain it is if you know the boston celtics win and they have a three and one record. The Nets win their game. They're three and one. The Magic, Celtics, and Nets will all be three and one. The winner of the division will be determined by who has the highest point differential. The Nets currently are plus eight, Celtics zero, and Magic plus twenty-two. So the Nets need to make up the difference between them and the Magic, and also for the Celtics not to win by that difference as well. The Magic are playing no more games. The Celtics and the Nets both play one more. And then if the Nets don't win their division, they have a chance with a wild card. And again, the same situation will go who has the highest point differential, you know, for that spot. So it's it comes down and, to the Celtics game and then also how much will the, will the Nets win their game and how much will they win it by? Yeah, and the Celtics are versing the the Chicago Bulls in their in-season tournament game, if I'm not mistaken. So yep. they should take care of business, you would expect with that. Hopefully it's not by a large amount. the Bulls amount, are 0-3, so the they Nets have against- nothing to play for. I mean, other than it's actually still a regular season game. So they're playing for that But in terms in like the tournament doesn't matter to them. Yeah. So look, then we're all hoping for a Nets big win and the Bulls to surprise and overtake those Celtics. And and maybe the the Nets will be, you know, in Vegas playing for some sort of silverware, goldware, whatever the color of the the cup that that thing is. But yeah, but we'll see how we go. I'm I'm looking forward to the Bulls game before that and, and hopefully we continue a, a nice vein of form because you know, the, 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 the the schedule has been tough to start for the Nets I think I remember a couple of days ago the Nets had like the sixth hardest start according to a, a specific source but now they've got a little bit of an easy stretch but then they go on that west coast trip where things get dire for them so they need to take care of business hopefully get a bit closer to, to 500 and yeah we'll see how we go yeah, I think build up momentum, some good habits, hopefully get some guys back for that West Coast trip and then really try to solidify yourself in the playoff standings if you can get Cam Thomas back in the mix and whatever's going on with Ben Simmons. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.